Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. And then we'll quickly jump to chapter 6 and look at one verse in chapter 6, which will be verse 7. So you can find chapter 6 if you like, and we jump there just for one verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 18 through 26. Hear now the words of the Lord. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is vexation or annoying. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, get this, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Chapter 6. Verse 7 is what it says. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. His appetite is never satisfied. Well, um, I'm, I'm not much of a cook, but, but I want y'all to be able to see this. All right? Not much of a cook, but, you know, I can find my way around the kitchen a little bit, okay? So um, I got I got a little pan here, um, got a strainer, right? I'm not much of a cook, but follow me. I can find my way around the kitchen a little bit, okay? So I got some water. And I'm going to take this water, and I'm going to pour this water through my strainer, right? You can imagine what's going to happen. I'm going to make a mess here, too. See this? What's interesting is, and you're saying that's not interesting, it's a strainer, but what's interesting <laughs> is there's nothing left in this strainer. You follow me? There's nothing left here. The, the, the strainer is empty. Why in the world could that happen? See, this water has no substance. This water has no substance, just the simple hydrogens and oxygen. It has no substance. Okay? I'm making a mess here, but it's empty. It, it, it's, it's void. 
It has no substance. What we're going to see this morning, what Solomon does is he gives us a picture of work. Get this. No matter how hard I work, no matter how much I pour, my strainer will always end empty. Why? Because it has no substance. And what Solomon says is, everything that you try to fill our lives and our hearts in the strainer will always end up being empty. It will always be empty. But if you take something of substance, now I told y'all I didn't like vegetables, but I do like vegetables. All right? I had to correct that for a couple of folks who got in my face about it. So, but if you take something of substance, something with some matter to it, something with, with a little density to it, it fills the strainer. Why? Because it has substance. Where there was something with no substance in my water here that just went straight through. No matter how hard I pour, no matter how hard, get this, I worked, it will always end empty. And that's what Solomon wants us to know this morning. He wants us to get a clear picture That no matter what you try to fill your life with, no matter what you aim to fill your heart with, it will always end empty because it has no substance. But there's only one thing that has substance that can fill you. There's only one thing that has substance that matters. And we're going to talk about that one thing. But before we jump into this text, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us, God. Father, I pray that you would show up. I pray, Father, that you would take what I have here and that you would multiply it, God. Would you just have your way this morning? God, we need a word from you. Would you speak to us? Would you change us, Lord? Would you draw us closer to you? I pray right now, Father, that you would allow me to decrease, that you may increase in this place. Our people, Father, our church, we need you, Jesus. So would you speak to us? Would you have your way? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to speak from the subject meaning and work. Meaning and work. And as we journey through Ecclesiastes, you will remember some of the things that we've said. Over and over again, we see the same phrase, the same phrase, vanity, vanity, vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, 
meaningless. Over and over again we see it. See, Solomon wrote this book, and Solomon is a philosopher. He's, he's a teacher. And Ecclesiastes, like Proverbs, is wisdom literature. And what that means for us is literature, wisdom is going to teach us some things. Solomon is going to teach us some things through his wisdom literature. And what we get to see in Ecclesiastes is we get to see Solomon experience a great deal of things. And Solomon basically puts his life on display. The book of Ecclesiastes is his diary that we get to peer into. We get to look into his diary. We get to look into the things that Solomon has experienced in his life. And we get to learn from them. And you know what Solomon does? So interesting. Solomon says, you know what? I'm going to take my life and I'm going to be a trial and error system. I'll be your guinea pig for you to learn from. So, so Solomon says, um, you, you want to find your hope in materialism? I've been there and I've done that. Uh, you want to try to build a bigger house? I've, I've been there and, and I've done that. Uh, Solomon says, you know what? Um, I like the music. You know how we like music. We like music. We go to Pandora. We go to our little iPhones. We'll pull up some stuff uh, and we'll listen to what we like. Solomon says, uh, I like music. I'll buy the whole musician. I- I'll buy the entire band. That's what Solomon did over and over again. He's living his life and he's putting these things on display that we may learn from them. Solomon, this brother, as we say it already, had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Now, now I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm just trying to make it to one. Can a brother, can just, just one? Solomon had, I just want y'all to think about this for a minute. This brother had 700 wives. Now, man, you thought your wife was tough. You're one. This brother had 700. Get this. Every fantasy you can think of, he did it. Every fantasy you can think of, he did it, and he was still not satisfied. He was still empty, and he found it to be extremely meaningless. Last week, Richard did a fantastic job, and he built uh, this this theology of pleasure. And we saw that it's not necessarily the things uh, that we look to. It's not the things that we enjoy, but it's more so us. It's not the things that we that we chase after, but it's us because we're chasing after them. We saw that it was it was us. We also saw that our pleasure should not be in those. Things Our delight should not be in those things that are pleasurable, but it really should be in God. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to build a theology of work. So roll with me as we go here. One of the first things we have to understand is that our work was never meant to just provide us with more stuff. Our work was never meant to provide us with just more stuff. Look at what Solomon says in verses 18 through 21. I hated all my toil. Can anybody relate to that? I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must get this, leave it to the man who will come after me. 
and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and still must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. Do you hear this? See, Solomon has tried. He's tried working to get all that, that his heart can delight in. He's tried over and over again. But, but do you hear the frustration here? The very first words out of Solomon's mouth in our passage is, I hated my toil. I hated it. He says, my heart was in despair. Why? Why do we see these things? It's because, get this, Solomon tried to use his work to get more stuff. See, he saw the only purpose for work to be to get more stuff. To collect more things. That was the purpose of work to Solomon. He says, I worked. I used my wisdom. And you mean to tell me. That one day, all the stuff that I worked for, somebody else, a person that's not even wise, will take control of all that I worked for. you got to be kidding me. Do you hear the pride there? Do you hear the arrogance? He's saying, this is what I worked for. And you mean to tell me somebody else is going to take control of my stuff? He points directly to work and he discusses how worthless elevating pleasures to a higher place than they should be. Then he jumps to work. I think Solomon does this because first he deals with the root of the problem. See, right? Yes, last week what we saw, we saw Solomon deal with pleasures. And he was dealing with the root of the problem. But then he begins to deal with the symptoms of the problem this week. So the root of the problem is that we want more stuff. But one of the symptoms of the problem is we work to get it and we begin to desire that work more than anything else. See, the root is more. I want more house. I I, I want more car. I want more status. That's what we want. And work is only our method to to see that happen. You know what's interesting is that this goes beyond racial lines. This goes beyond socioeconomic status. No matter who you are, you've struggled with this at some point in your life. And if you haven't, well, my grandmama used to say, keep on living. Because you will. Here's what he says. You see with the philosophy of Solomon here. He said, I hated all my toil. And I gave my heart up to despair. Work only meant for him. Only work was to, to build more stuff. To build up his next nest egg. Do you know that's why... Um, there's many financial folks, uh, even on Wall Street, that commit suicide. 
is because they used their jobs, they used their skills, they used their abilities to get more. And when the bottom falls out, they're lost in despair. When there's nothing else for them to hold on to, they realize that the money that they pursued, the stuff that they pursued, was all vanity. It was meaningless. It was empty. It meant nothing. See, that's one of the reasons why the block mentality, in my mind, is worthless. One of the reasons why the trap is worthless. You know why? It's because, not just because it's illegal, but because we use the block mentality, we use the trap, and that working becomes what we serve to get more stuff, to get more pleasure. So now I'm in the trap, I'm, I'm, I'm using the block, I'm hustling, I'm working only to get more stuff, not knowing that now my heart is serving the hustle. When God never intended things to be that way. This is amazing stuff. Because no matter who you are or where you're from, it affects you. It touches you. Uh, Kobe Bryant is one of the best basketball players that ever lived. I didn't say the best. One of the best basketball players that ever lived. And um, he, he had... He has a fantastic career. He's done an amazing, uh, amazing amount of things uh, from MVP awards to uh, five titles. None of this one title stuff and you're called the king. Uh, five NBA titles he has. Um, scoring titles, all this stuff. But, of course, he was recently injured. Um, and reflecting on his injury, uh, he had a few words on Facebook. Here's what he said. This is some BS. All the training and sacrifice just flew out the window with one step that I've done millions of times. The frustration is unbearable. The anger is rage. Why did this happen? Makes no sense. Now I'm supposed to come back from this and be the same player or better at 35? How in the world am I supposed to do that? I have no clue. Do I have the consistent uh, will to overcome this thing? Maybe I should just break out the rocking chair and reminisce on the career that was. Maybe this is how my book ends. Maybe father time has defeated me. Then again, maybe not. It's 3.30 a.m. My foot feels like dead weight. My head is spinning from the pain meds and I'm wide awake. Forgive my venting, but what's the purpose of social media if I won't bring it to you real? Feels good to vent. Because after all the venting, get this, a real perspective sets in. There are far greater issues, challenges in the world than a torn Achilles. Do you hear that? Here is a guy who's got a large contract. He's had major endorsements. And even he comes to the realization that there's something bigger than our work than the things that our work provides. There is something much greater. There's something bigger. Even this guy who's, who's, who slept and dreamt basketball for 17 years in the NBA, over and over again, 
And he ends with saying, there's got to be something greater than what I've served, than what my job can give me. What about you? Are you simply working to get more stuff? Are you serving the work because you want to get more stuff and more status, more pleasure through your work? See, it's going to take us realizing that materialism is not the key. That's going to be extremely tough in our Western culture. We're we're, we're fed through the media. We're fed all over the place to get more, buy better, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. And that's what we begin to use our jobs for. To get more. And it's meaningless. It's the vanity. Hear this. The second thing is you are created to work. You need work. That sounds crazy. But you were created for work. And not only were you created for work, but you need it. Look at verse 22 through 24. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation or his work is annoying. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. One of the things I love about Ecclesiastes is Solomon's honesty. He's extremely honest here to us. Solomon says, what's the use of work? You ever felt like that? what's, What's the use of clocking in? And even if I don't have to clock in, i got to be there to get the salary. What's the use? That's what Solomon says. He's frustrated. He says, work causes nothing but sorrow and it's annoying. Work is meaningless. Then he says, there's nothing better than find joy in your work. And that only comes from God. But which one is it, Solomon? You're confusing me, buddy. Does, does it cause joy or sorrow? Or, 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 or what is it? Or is, there, or is there enjoyment there? Which one is it? The Bible speaks to this. See, many of us view work as something we have to do as opposed to it being something we are created to do and something we get to do. God worked in Genesis. He created the heavens and the earth. Uh, He worked. God worked. He worked to fashion man. You and I. He he worked in doing that. How do we know this? Because on the seventh day, God rested from his work. So six days he worked, he labored, and on the seventh day, God rested. See, God didn't just work, but get this, he delighted in his work. How do we know that? He said, I created the heavens and the earth, and then I stand back and I see that it is good. He delighted in his handiwork. How much more are we delight in the work that God has given us? 
he delighted in it. Here's what Tim Keller said in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later, or something human beings were created to do, but that was beneath the great God himself. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have a more exalted inauguration. See, from the very beginning, work was something that God delighted in. He delighted in it. Not only this, but even before the fall of man, we were working. Uh, we, we were working before the fall of man. Work wasn't something that happened after sin entered into the world, uh, but it was there pre-sin and pre-the fall of man. There was work. So here you have, before the fall of man, uh, man is in a perfect relationship with God. There's paradise and there is also work. Can you believe it? See, many of us, we look at our work as a living what? You know it. That's how we view our work. But scripture has a different picture of work. From the very beginning it was there. Listen to what Jesus said in John 5:17. My father is working until now and I am working. And not only is the Father working, but Jesus is also working. And one of the reasons we were created to work is because, get this, we were created in the image of Almighty God. And because we were created in His image, if we were created in His image, if we bear His stamp, we ought to be like Him. And if we ought to be like Him, then we ought to delight in our work as God delighted in His work. That's our job. That, that, that's what we should do. Let me just say this. Um, our society tends to look down upon certain jobs, right? Um, our society tends to look down upon manual labor, uh, the work of your hands. And I would argue that God in creating the heavens and the earth used manual labor. Get this, Jesus did not come in the form of a man as an executive. He came as a carpenter. Manual labor. He was a hard worker. So, so you ought to, if you work in a factory, if you work on an assembly line, you ought to get dignity from your work. Jesus was a manual laborer. Don't let anybody look down upon you. For the gift in work that God has given you. It's a gift. Again, if I didn't quote Tim Keller, I probably wouldn't be a real preacher. Um, So I have another quote from him just to legitimize myself. Here's what he says. Work is much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It is not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we see significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Do you see this? You don't just need what work gives. You actually need work itself. You don't just need what it gives. It's in your DNA. To work. In the Ten Commandments. 
Exodus chapter 20. We're commanded six days you shall labor and do all your work. We're commanded to work. Just go to your local retirement home. You go to your local retirement home and sit with people who don't have the the ability to work any longer and you see how defeated they are. You go to a prison. You visit a prison and you will see men who who joyfully work for 10 or 20 cents an hour. Why? Because that's what we were created to do. Why in the world would somebody work for 20 cents an hour? It's better than sitting in an 8 by 8 cell. Because we were created to work. It's in our DNA. Even as an inmate, you bear the image of God. So you want to work. You're an image bearer of the king. So we, we were created to work. I remember as a kid, I worked all kinds of jobs. Um, I cut grass. I collected cans with my brother. Um, I worked at Auntie Ann's pretzel shop. Don't laugh at me. It was a good job. I probably gained a few pounds uh, working that job. It was a great job. Um, I did all kinds of jobs. I worked at a gas station. I had the 3 to 11 shift when I was in high school. That was my that was one of, one of my gigs. Um, I tuck pointed. In the summers when I was in school, um, I worked at Snooks, which was our version of Kroger. Uh, I was a bagger when I was younger. I had all these kinds of jobs. I've only quit two jobs in my life. Um, one of them was uh, I was black topping this guy's driveway. And I, I would I would do anything. I would work, you know, and uh, it was blistering hot outside. And uh, I'm not exaggerating. Because this is the same day that I found out that black people could actually sunburn. You know, for the longest time, I didn't think we could sunburn. And so here I am. I'm, I'm extremely young. I'm, my, I'm by myself, right? Uh, this guy had a, a small business and I am black topping. It's a hundred, over a hundred degrees outside. I'm black topping this guy's driveway at his business. And I just got overwhelmed by heat exhaustion. And I walked into his office with my head down. I said, man, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to get somebody else to do this. <laughs> I was exhausted. And I went home. I was, I was feeling like I was going to throw up. I laid on the couch. And all of a sudden, I started feeling something on my nose. I'm like, what in the world? I looked in the mirror, and my nose was peeling. <laughs> Uh, I, that's the first time I realized that black people can sunburn. But I had all of these jobs, even as a kid. And, you know, many of these jobs didn't pay very much money. But I didn't want to sit at home idle. I, even as a kid, I, I, I had the desire to work, even if it was being halfway in a dumpster to grab cans out. I, I wanted to work. It's in my DNA. That's who I, that's who I was. That's one of the things I love about uh, YLM is the work component. Because we were created to work. That's who we are. So often we don't view work that way. Lastly, your work and 
nothing else, your work and nothing your work gives will ever satisfy. Your work and nothing your work gives will ever satisfy. Ecclesiastes 6-7 says this, All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. See, we need to learn from our, our boy Solomon. We, we, we need to learn from him. He's trying to teach us. No matter how hard we work, whether it be in the corner office or on the assembly line of a factory, hear me when I say this, your job and nothing your job can give you will ever satisfy you. And I think I need to say this because we have a huge amount of ministry workers in our church and teachers in our church, folks work, working in, 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 the, in the urban classroom, we, even that will not satisfy you. I don't care how much good you do. Amen. It will not satisfy you. It will not bring you joy. Let me say this, even to, to our stay-home moms, no matter how good your kids turn out, that work will not satisfy you. It won't bring you complete joy. It may bring you some temporary happiness, but it will not bring you joy. It won't satisfy you. Your appetite will not be satisfied. I love the story in John 4. The story of a Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus asks this woman for a drink. And she's blown away. She's, she says, there's no way a Jewish man should ask me, a Samaritan woman, uh, for a drink. She's blown away. And Jesus said, if you knew who I really was, you would be asking me for a drink. A drink of living water. And she's like, man, who are you? Jesus says, you will be asking me for a drink if you really knew who I was. What's all this living water talk? Look at John 4, 13 through 15 with me. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That I, The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. See, the reason why Jesus could say to this woman at the well, she wanted living water, is because our hearts consistently crave for affirmation. Our hearts over and over again, our souls long for affirmation and validation. And it's easy for us to quickly get this, to make idols out of the places that we work. The jobs that we work. And it's not so much the jobs, but it's stuff that, that the jobs give us. It's easy for us to make idols out of them. Why? Because our hearts, our, our souls are longing for affirmation and acceptance. We long for that. And the reason why Jesus could say to this woman, I will give you living water because he knows her soul was longing for something more than just a drink from the well. She needed 
living water. And church, I'm here to tell you this morning that that's what you and I need as well. We need living water. Water that will satisfy us. See, God sent Jesus so that our souls would not thirst again. God sent Jesus to quench our thirst. God sent Jesus to fill what could not otherwise be filled. God sent Jesus to be the true substance that we really need. God sent Jesus to live. God sent Jesus to die. He sent Him to be buried and He sent Him to raise again that you and I may never thirst again. Even if your job will never satisfy you, even if seeking hope and pleasures will never satisfy you, God says, I've sent my Son and He is one who will satisfy and you'll never have to thirst again. Drink of Him. Know Him. Love Him. And go tell others about Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You. That You are good. And that You are God who can be known. Thank You, Father, that aside from every other major religion, God, You are the one who is a personal God. You are near us. And so, Father, I pray that that we would come to grips with that reality. And I pray we will come to grips with the reality that you love us and that you are the only one who will satisfy. Help us to drink of your water, the everlasting spring that will well up within us is because of you. It's because of grace through faith. Help us to live in those realities. Now, Father, we pray that you would bless these gifts that we're about to receive. We pray that you would multiply them. Now, you would use them for the furthering of your kingdom. That people would know you deeper and not downtown church deeper. That people in Memphis, Tennessee would grow to know of the fame and the glory of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. To that end, in Jesus' name, amen.